Bibles there at Matthew chapter 5, and if you're familiar with Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's called the famous Sermon on the Mount, and what a great passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, and of course, uh, it begins with what is oftentimes known as the Beatitudes, blessed are the, and what's another word for blessed when you see it? Happy. And so, again, Jesus is laying down the principles of the kingdom of God in, in this uh, particular portion of the Word of God. And we're going to pick it up in verse 13, and we'll read down to verse 16 this morning. And you follow along with me this morning. The Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thence good, uh, thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, and to be trodden under foot of men, ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What a great portion of scripture this morning Jesus, again, and we'll see this as we begin this week and in the weeks to come, Jesus using common illustrations to teach great truths in the Word of God. I know that you're here this morning in what we call Sunday school or adult Bible class that we can learn and grow by the Word of God. And this is the way we do it, is by learning great truths from the Word of God. Matthew 5, Jesus here speaking, telling His people that they are to be two things. The first one is that we are the salt of the earth. Salt of the earth, and we're going to look at that this morning. The second one is that we're the light of the world. Now, we are that, we are to be that. Salt and light are both wonderful things because they both are beneficial. They both bring about change, and the kind of change that both of them bring about should be positive change. Uh, how many of you want to make a positive change for the Lord in this world? That's, that's what God's saying here, that ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are to be salt and light. So God is saying here, when he says salt of the earth, light of the world, he's saying that I, God, now get a hold of this one this morning, I desire to use you. Now let that settle in for a minute. God could do anything. God could handle things without us, but God chooses to use us. He wants to use us to make a difference, to have a real and lasting impact for the glory of God. Remember the verse we just read there, verse number 16? He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but he doesn't stop there. He says, and glorify your Father. See, God wants to get the glory out of our lives. To God be the glory. Great things He hath done. In other words, God saved us. God's left us here. Well, what does He want us to do? He wants us to be salt and He wants us to be light. Everybody with me this morning? So this is, this is a, a, the beginning of these metaphors, how God wants us to make a change in this world, a beneficial change. Now, in order for that to happen, salt cannot remain in the shaker. And light cannot be hidden. You know, we, we have men's breakfast. We had a great time yesterday, men's breakfast. 
and uh, we covered the subject of forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you, every man in there was sharing things. We, we all deal, whether it's that we need to be forgiven or we need to forgive others, we had a great time. If you're a man in here, join us the next time. I think it's in the beginning of the month of June. I think it's June 1st. And we're just covering different topics that some of the men have submitted. And I'm looking forward to that. But yesterday, as we had men's breakfast, of course, you know, you have a Baptist function. You've got to have food, right? And so we, we, we set up and uh, Brother Kenny, Brother Chris set out all the necessary things. But on the tables, there were two things that were on every table, and one was one of these shakers, that's a salt shaker, and the other one was a pepper shaker. Now, I know that Brother Gilbert prefers the pepper shaker, but the lesson doesn't say, be ye pepper of the earth. It says, we're salt of the earth, right? Now, Brother Gilbert, if you could change the Bible, that'd be one aspect you'd change, right, is that we would be the pepper of the earth, right? <laughs> So listen, salt is a very, very important, but look here, what good is this salt if it stays in the shaker? It's no good, you know? I mean, I enjoy, and maybe you enjoy, now I, I, I hope I never get to the place where my doctor comes into his office one day and says, look, we have to cut some things out of your diet, and one of them is this. I hope that never happens in my life. I know that some in here probably have gotten to that point, but I also, look here, what good is light if it's hidden, light's meant to shine. And that's, that's what we want to look at this morning, how God wants us to make a difference as salt and light, just like Jesus did. Look at these phrases about Jesus in the Bible. In Acts 10, the Bible says, Jesus went about doing good. Notice that phrase there. That's what Jesus did. He went about doing good. The Bible also instructs us, that, as Peter wrote, that we should follow his steps. In other words, Jesus was salt everywhere he went. Jesus was light. He said, I am the light of the world. Uh, we need to follow the Lord Jesus, follow his example, follow his steps. And then the other thing the Bible said about Jesus was, as he is, so are we in the world. In other words, we are to be a carbon copy. We are to be like Christ. We are to be a Christian. How many of you are a Christian this morning? Yeah, if you're saved, your hand should be up, okay? So let's look at these two aspects this morning. Notice, first of all, salt, all right? Now, there's a lot of, even at our house, we have a lot of different spices at our house. Uh, sometimes we open up that cabinet. I mean, there are so many spices in there. It, we don't have one of those really nice spice racks. And so a lot of times, all those little spice bottles fall out whenever we open it up, because if they're not stacked up just right, but, but a lot of times I have, to, I have to move this one and move this one and move this one and move this one. You know, we've got, we've got one of those carousel things that we've got them on, but we've got so many that they're sitting around the carousel, so you have to move those to spin the carousel around. But I'll tell you, the one spice that almost everybody uses very frequently is salt. You know, you think about how often salt is used. Now, what is, what is the benefits of salt? Well, look at the first one this morning is salt preserves Salt keeps food from spoiling, all right? Now, salt, it, the goal of preservation is that salt is something that will seal in the good, but it's also something that shuts out the impurities. So it seals in the good, but it shuts out the impurities. Salt is not used today to preserve because nowadays we have refrigerators, we have freezers. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand 
if you really remember why they called them ice boxes. All right, don't raise your hand. Uh, you're just dating yourself, so put your hands down, all right? But, but here's the thing is, is that as you think about it, we have refrigerators now. We have freezers now that will, you can put things in there and you can leave them in there for a long time and it'll keep them good. But remember, years ago, salt was used as a preservative. Salt was necessary. Back in the days of Nehemiah, and this is just one example, they would catch fish from the sea and in an area known as in the Bible as Tyre, and they would actually transport that fish to the city of Jerusalem in the hot summer sun. How many of you know that fish is not going to stay that good for that kind of a trip? I mean, you have to have a way to preserve it. So what they would do is they would pack it on, uh, uh, they would try to use uh, something that would keep it, preserve it, they would pack it on salt. Uh, nowadays, we use ice. We have, uh, you know, ice machines, things like that. Uh, if you find people that hunt a lot, whenever they, they kill an animal out in the wild, that's what they'll do is they'll, they'll pack it with salt to preserve it. They'll still use it in that regards today. In the Bible time, this is what they would do. Now, as Christians, God wants to use us to act as that agent of preservation in the world we live in today. We can do that, listen, only if we're living righteously before God. We can't help others if we're not living right ourselves. When you look in the Bible, there are a lot of passages that command us to guard our lives against this matter of sin. Look at uh, Mark chapter 9 in your notes, 950. Here's what the Bible says, salt is good, but if salt hath lost its, his saltiness... Where will, wherewith will, it, will you season it? Have salt in yourselves. Now, when you look at that verse, you're like, what does that mean? Have salt in myself. What is the Bible talking about? Let me give you a couple other passages or verses that might help you understand that. Look at James 1.27 there. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. And here is part of it. Part of it is to keep himself unspotted from the world. In other words, make sure that we are keeping salt in ourselves. How do we do that? Keep ourselves unspotted. Look at Psalm 34 verse 13. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. First uh, Timothy chapter 5 verse 22. Neither be partakers of other men's sins. Keep thyself what? Pure. See, God wants us to make sure that we are the preservative that, that, listen, it's not us. It's the, the God we represent. We are being salt for God. We want God to get the glory. We want to be a, a, have a good effect on this world we live in today. And listen, what good is walking around saying you're a Christian but doing absolutely nothing about it? In other words, the salt has to get out of the container, all right? So one thing salt does is it preserves but notice, secondly, salt also purifies. Salt purifies. Now, how many of you have ever gargled with salt water? Yeah, you do that because it'll kill the germs, the bacteria that's in your mouth. I remember when uh, we, we bought our house and, and uh, I was working on the, the floors in our house and I was on my hands and knees for literally about a month or so. I mean, every waking minute doing the floors in our house. I tore out all the tile floor 
and I was working on all the, 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 what was underneath of it, and then I bought the material, and I was laying that tile, and I mean, I was on my hands and knees for a solid month, and I'm telling you, every time I got down, I couldn't hardly get back up, every time. And, and what would happen is, is that at, at the end of a day, maybe six hours I put in, or eight hours I put in, or depending on how many hours I had, if I was really sore, what I would do is I'd go in there and I'd, we have one of those big bathtubs and I'd fill it up with hot water and my wife has Epsom salt and I'd dump a bunch of that in that bathtub. Now, I normally don't take baths. I don't really uh, care for it, but I'm going to tell you something. I'd soak in that Epsom salt water and boy, in the next day I got up and I was ready to run a marathon. There was just something about that salt that made a difference in my body. And one of the things we see about salt is, yes, that salt preserves, but secondly is salt brings relief. It, it helps maybe with a sore throat. No matter where we are or what we are doing, the environment around us as salt, the environment should be cleaner because we are there. Did you hear what I said? According to the Bible, because we are, we are a child of God, we are to be living a life that is righteous before God, we are to be pure in the eyes of God. The, the world around us should be a better place, not because of us, but because we are living for God. And that's what we need to see in our lives, that we are, are purified by spending time with God. Remember in Acts chapter 4, where the lame man at the gate, the beautiful gate, and he was asking in alms, and Peter and John are about to go into the temple for, at the hour of prayer. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And so, so what happens is the man is healed by the power of God. And then they bring Peter and John and they put them on trial for their lives and they threatened them. And the Bible says this, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So that's what we need to do is, is if we spend time with the Lord in our lives, guess what's going to happen is that you and I will make this filthy world a better place. It, look, we have to understand that, that we cannot have a purifying spiritual influence on others if our life is not clean. We need to make sure that we're living. Remember what God says? Here's what he said. I am holy. Then what's the rest of the verse? Be ye holy. See, God desires for us to live a clean life. God doesn't use dirty vessels. And so salt purifies Listen, this choice isn't an easy choice in a filthy world, but it's necessary. Look at Titus 2.14. The Bible says of Jesus, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Here it is. And purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Look, it is quite different to live clean lives in this world that we live in. But it's what God wants us to do. God wants us to be salt. He wants us to be a purifier. Look at James writes, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That's God's word this morning. God says, look, I, I've left you here to preserve, to purify. Look at uh, Proverbs uh, 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life so when you look at this verse here, what comes out of our lives is really a result of what's in our hearts, right? So, so look, he says, when, when you think of this, he says, ye are the salt of the earth. 
Well, what does salt do or what is salt supposed to do? It's supposed to preserve. Secondly, salt is supposed to purify. Look at a third thing, letter C, salt pleases. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you enjoy salt on your food? Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Sue, uh, we, a lot of times my wife and I will go somewhere and get some pasta, and, and we know that it's got some salt on it, but it doesn't have enough for our, our liking. You know, God, Give me that shaker. I mean, and, and my wife, a lot of times, she'll grab it before I grab it. You know, We want to put something on there because salt pleases, it, otherwise food would be bland. Look at this. All the way back in what many believe is the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, look at Job 6.6. 6. Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt, or is there any taste in the white of an egg? And the answer to that is what? No, there's no taste. That's why you get the salt, you know, and in Brother Gilbert's case, the pepper too. But you put that on there. Look, what good are French fries without salt? I mean, come on. If you're going to have a French fry, you got to have salt. If you're not going to have salt, don't have a French fry. All right, they just go hand in hand. Listen, this, this world that we live in today, look, God's people were here, listen, to please. Now, when I say that, I mean one way we can please is we can encourage this world we live in. Uh, you, you do realize that a lot of what is said in this world is not good things. I mean, it's amazing. I walked into a store the other day, had my wife walk in right behind me. There was two guys sitting there. I think they must do a lot of business at this place. We walked in. There was a lady behind the counter, and these two guys, they might as well have been sailors. I mean, they were going at it. There was a foul emissions coming out of their mouths. And as soon as we walked in, the one guy looked over, saw me, and behind, my wife, behind me saw my wife, and immediately he says, hey, hey, to the other guy. And their whole vocabulary changed. I'm glad that, listen, although he, he may not speak probably the best of language, I'm glad at least he was considerate enough to stop talking the way he talked. Listen, when you as a Christian walk into work or into your office, uh, look, pe people around you, they, they may not stop, but I'm going to tell you, everything coming out of our mouths should be pleasing to the Lord. Amen? And listen, when we, when we say things, look what it says in Proverbs 15. A man that hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? Uh, Isaiah 50 and verse 4, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Remember the old thing you used to hear all the time, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Yeah, words. Words are powerful, aren't they? Words really do hurt. People act like they don't. You know, yesterday at, at the men's breakfast, that's we talked about forgiveness. Why, why do, oftentimes do we need forgiveness? Because of words that are said. Words that shouldn't have been said. But remember, where do those words come from? Out of the heart, right? So when God left us here, he saved us. He wants us to be salt, and one way we can be salt is we can use the right kind of words, words that, that are coming from our heart. Look at Proverbs 16, 23. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. The right kind of words. How's your vocabulary today? You know, is it pleasing to the Lord? 
Because, look, God says, I've left you here to be salt. You're the salt of the earth. And as we think about salt, what does salt do? Salt preserves. Salt is meant to, uh, to preserve, not only to preserve, but to purify and to please. But then look at this last one. It's an interesting one, but it's, it's a truth. Salt actually plod, uh, prods, P-R-O-D-S. Now, what, what I mean by that, you ever heard the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him what? Drink. You, you ever hear the addition to that? You can't make him drink, but you can put some salt in his oats, and it'll make him drink. See, when you think about what God wants us to be, and we think about how salt will prod farmers a lot of times, here's what they'll do. If they want their cattle to drink, they'll use what they call a salt block. They'll set those around. Why do they do that? Because the cattle will lick that. It'll create a thirst in them. Do you know what the best-selling item is on the McDonald's menu? Not French fries. Back here, somebody might have said it. There you go. What is it? Coke. Coca-Cola. That's their, that's their best-selling item on their menu. Now, do you know why they sell so much Coke? Because of the salt on their French fries. See, they get you both ways. And, and, and honestly, when you think about it, uh, the, the, there's no... How many of you like, you know, there's, if you drink soda... You can buy it in a bottle or you can buy fountain soda. How many of you prefer fountain soda over bottled soda? Yeah, because now the, the problem is, is that if the calibration is not right between the syrup and the carbonated water, then it's not good. McDonald's has mastered the calibration of carbonation to the syrup, and, and it, what it does is it creates a thirst. Well, you think about this. Listen, as people come to church or they're around you, your life as salt, it should create a thirst in other people for God. Did you hear what I said this morning? That as you live for God, as you talk for God, listen, your life ought to be a living testimony. Hey, I don't know what he's got. I don't know where she's been, but I want to find out more. That's what salt should do is it should cause other people to have a hunger, a thirst, as God's people are saltiness should attract others to God. If we have peace in, in a turbulent world, people are going to say, I don't know how this person can be this way. If we have joy, look, be careful about letting this world and the circumstances of your life rob you of the joy that God's given to you. But see, when people see that as salt, what you're going to do is you're going to prod them. Others are going to want what you have God uses us to create a thirst in them, to bring them to him. Look in John 14. You remember the passage about the woman at the well? Jesus goes, he sits on Jacob's well, and, and his disciples go into town. Jesus is sitting there. He knows this woman's going to come. He begins this conversation with her, and look what it says in verse 13. He says unto, unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall never thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus says, look, you can drink from this well and it's not going it, to, you're going to be back here, you're going to be back here, you're going to be back here, you're going to come again and again and again. I've, I've yet to drink anything that will, that will completely cure the thirst for the rest of my life. There just isn't anything out there. 
But when I think about what the Lord has done for me and how he has quenched that thirst, that everlasting life that he has given to me, listen, that's what we ought to do is we live our lives as salt. Yes, we're here to preserve and we're here to purify and we're here to please by our words, but our lives should cause others to say, listen, there's something about him. There's something about his life that makes me want to know more about him. And when they, when they learn more about us, guess what they're learning about? They're learning more about our God. See, salt, it's a wonderful thing. And Jesus said that ye are the salt of the earth. But then notice, secondly, he says, ye are the light of the world. Now, when you think about light, God has placed us in a world that is a dark world. I mean, you think about light that God has given to us. What does light do? Light reflects other things. One of the things that our life or our light should reflect is Jesus. Uh, when you think about the light that God's given to us, look at John 8, 8, 12. Jesus said unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, did you see what the Bible said there? If you're saved this morning, then you're walking no longer in the darkness of this world. You're walking according to the light. You're in Christ. How many of you are in Christ today? So according to the Bible, Jesus is the light. You know, is there going to be, is there going to be darkness in heaven? No. Why? Because the sun's going to be there, right? And he's the light of the world. So when you think about us as Christians, we have a responsibility to do what? To bear the light. And we have a responsibility to keep God's light. So notice letter A, what does light do? When you think of the reason Jesus said, you're the light of the world, is because, first of all, light attracts. Light is one of the most attractive forces on this earth. Uh, You ever see sometimes, uh, I know a lot of times you go to like a ball game and they've got those humongous lights in the stadium. If it's a night game, the lights are on. And there's like a mazillion bugs flying around those lights. You ever seen that? I mean, uh, listen, if, if, I, if I turn this little light on, I mean, this doesn't look like much right here. I mean, you can see that the light is on. But I'll tell you this, that if, if I, we turned out all the lights in this auditorium and we put stuff over the windows on the door and we pulled down all the shades on the windows and it was completely dark in here, this little bitty light would probably light up this whole room. I mean, you'd be able to see because of this little bitty light. And God says, look, I've, I realize that you're living in a world that is sin sick. And he says, you are supposed to be a light for me in this dark world you live in. You are supposed to attract people to the light uh, look what John Wesley said, and I love this little statement. He says, I light myself on fire, and people come to watch me burn. That's, what we, that's the way we ought to live our lives. Uh, let your light so shine. Uh, be a burning light. Remember, that's what Jesus said about John the Baptist. You know, He was a light. He was a voice. People came out to the wilderness from the city, from the, the, the comfort of their homes, to come out and hear the message of this man. And by the way, John wasn't the best of lookers. I mean, his clothing wasn't from the mall. His diet wasn't normal. You know, his appearance wasn't, wow, he's an attractive kind of guy. But you know why they came? Because of his message. 
because of who he was talking about. Our lives should be the same way as light is that God is telling us to let our light so shine that we may glorify him. See, the world will only become darker as the light is removed. Let me say that again. The world's already a dark place. The reason that there's any light at all is because Jesus has given to us his light. But see, when we hide it under a bushel, see, we're, we're taking the light that God wants to be in this world. If we hide our light, what happens? The world becomes a darker place. What happens when Christians don't vote? Unsaved people become politicians. They become our president. They become the leaders in this world, the one who make the call. See, folks, uh, you know, the, the little children's song, there's a lot of truth in that. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. But so many times we're, we're so afraid of what's, what will someone say or what, you know, listen, you, you know, sometimes at work you might, listen, if you really are living for God, you might have somebody that wants to so live in darkness that your light is bothering them and that they'll say, listen, why don't you go somewhere else with your Bible? Why don't you stop talking to me about Jesus? And sometimes that can happen if you're really living for the Lord, if, if you're talking about the Lord. And, and God's left us here to let our light shine. Don't let the light be hidden in this world that we live in. The Bible tells us that we are in the world. But folks, just because we're in the world doesn't mean we have to be of the world. See, God's, remember we read a minute ago that we are to be a peculiar people. That doesn't mean weird. There ought to be something distinctly different about God's people. See, we have salt, we are light, and as we look at the Word of God, God's left us here to be a, refle a reflection of His light. John was a burning and shining light. John the Baptist was in the Word of God. Many come to know Christ because of the light. That's what happened in John's life. They came to hear Him. We are to be lights attracting people. Look at John 3, 21. He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. See how the truth works with the light because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So as we, we understand we are light, God has left us here to reflect him. Light attracts, but notice secondly, light repels the darkness. It repels the darkness. I was with a, uh, a pastor in, in the state of Oregon and up there in Oregon, they have a, this area in the state of Oregon where they have what they call uh, lava tubes. They are actually caves. If you didn't really know what they were, uh, you would just think it was a cave, but they're actually created by lava, and uh, the lava had a big hollow spot inside of it, and there was an opening or somebody broke an opening, and so you can go down into these lava tubes. And so this, this church, their youth pastor, like Brother Kenny is here, He'll take his youth group, and what they'll do is they'll go all the way back as far as they can in that lava tube and they, to where it's complete, utter darkness. I mean, you put your hand in front of your face like that, and you can't even see it. It's that dark. And I, I went into one of those one time with, with a group that I was traveling with. They took us over there to that, and they said, they, here's what he said to me. He said, Brother Keel, we, we had this really fun game. Now, youth, you have to understand youth directors because... Their minds are not right, you know? And, and so he says, here's what we do. He says, we take our teenagers 
all the way back as far as we can go in there to where it's utter darkness. And then he says, and then I count to three, and the first person that gets out of the cave or the lava tube wins. Now here's what these teenagers, they've learned a little bit. Because when they go in there, they take motorcycle helmets with them. And they put on the helmets because you can't see where you're going and you run into things. And so they, they put on helmets and all kinds of pads and things, and they take off running. And, and they said it's amazing because you're running in utter darkness until all of a sudden, off in the distance, you can see that right there. And that tells you that's the way out. And so what are they doing? They're heading towards the light. And when you think about Jesus says that we are the light of the world, it, look, even in Victorian England, they used to have something, they had these men that would go down the streets and they would light gas uh, lanterns or lights in the street. Now I'm talking the Victorian, is that, is that what they used to do, Brother Gilbert, in that day? <laughs> they called them, them lamplighters. Anybody remember that? They, they called them lamplighters, and what they would do is they would go down through there and they would light those. Now, uh, Spurgeon lived back in that day, and here's what Spurgeon said one day when he saw them lighting these lamps. Spurgeon said this. He said as Christians that he says we're the light of the world, Christians are to be lamplighters for God, and here's what he says. We are to be poking holes in the darkness of this world. That's the way our lives should be, is we should be punching holes in the darkness. Look, there are, there are, just like those teenagers, there are people that are walking in darkness. They don't know the light. They don't know how to get to the light. And what we should be doing is creating a way for them to get to the light, which is Jesus. Amen with that? See, we need to, we need to try to help people to understand to get to the... See, God commands us to make a difference. And where he puts us, he asks us to do what? To be shining for him, to be a pure, clean light, uh, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, we must shine, you in your small corner and I in mine. Look, if you've ever walked or been, maybe been in one, been by one, bars and nightclubs, some of the darkest places in this world, they don't put lights in those places, and if they do, they're very dim, just enough to, to, to maybe see your way to your table or whatever. They're, they're places of, of sin in that. And, and listen, why is that? Well, the Bible says men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So as I think about the light, Christ's light has the power to repel the darkness. Listen, we need to make sure we're reflecting his light. And so we see here that what does light do? Light attracts and light repels. But look at this, and this is something we got to get a hold of is light requires a source. Now this little, this little flashlight here, it's still working because the battery is still good. See, if I take this one battery out of this light, this light won't light up. And you think about your life and my life, if we are, if we are to be a lights of this world, then we too have to have a source. So as we consider light itself, God is the source of light. Look at James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of what? The Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you 
that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Great verse there. God is the light. And when we walk with God, we will have all the light that we need. Look what John writes in 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So God himself is the source of light and we need God in our lives if we're going to be the light of the world. But then notice another source of light for Christians is, is what? God's word. I mean, where would we be without the Bible today? I love the Word of God. We lo- as men yesterday, we talked about many different aspects. What did we use as our source? The Word of God. And when we think about being the light of the world, we need to understand that another source of that light for us is the Word of God. God's Word, if it's a part of us, it'll shine through us. Look, at thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. We need the Word of God to show us the way so that we can show others the way. Look at Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. People say, Pastor, I just don't understand what God's doing in my life. Are you looking in the light? Are you looking in the word of God? God will show you what he's doing. God will reveal that unto you. In, In 1450, Johannes Gutenberg of Germany, he invented what was known as the printing press Whereas what was the miraculous thing about that invention was this, is that it now made the Bible accessible to the common people. See, that's, that was a wonderful thing, folks, because not everybody could have a copy of the Word of God because of the way the, the Bible was being produced or reproduced back in those days. But when Gutenberg developed the printing press, now more Bibles were being printed and the common people of the day could get a hold of the Word of God. This spreading of the light of the Word of God brought back and brought about the end of a period historically called the Dark Ages. Why was it called the Dark Ages? Because there was not a lot of light in those days. You know what changed in, in, in this world's history, how they got out of the Dark Ages? The Word of God. Because God's Word began to show the light of the glorious gospel to those that read it. See, the key aspects as we look at these two metaphors of salt and light is they make a difference in their surroundings. Certainly, look at this. Salt makes a difference. Light makes a difference. And God says, I've saved you. And he says, I've left you here so that you can be the salt of the earth and that you can be the light of the world. And it's so important that we understand our place because we really can make a difference, here it is, for the cause of Christ in this world that we live in today. So listen, let's be the salt God saved us to be, and let's be the light that God wants us to be so that this world can know Him through our lives. Brother Flynn? That's right, we'll be out of here. The light will be gone. Yep, that's, that's absolutely true. Well, listen, uh, I've enjoyed this study. I hope you're looking forward to some in the Sundays ahead. And, and let's just continue to grow as Christians to understand from these great truths how God wants to use us to help this world to be a better place to come to know him. All right?